today on The Breakdown. Let's hearken back to yesteryear. 2004, so much time has passed, but the poker greats, they were there then as well. I'm talking about guys like Johnny Chan, TJ Cloutier, sure, why not? Gus Hansen? Yeah, well, those guys are involved in this hand, and so are some other very famous players. It's a hand, I'm not kidding, it's 15 years later. Some things we like, some things we don't. But there is a big spot coming for Gus Hansen in the Poker Superstars Tournament, and we're going to break it right down, well, whatever, on the breakdown with Grant Edison and Jonathan Levy. Remember back in the day when Poker Superstars was on the television? I used to watch Poker Superstars, man. Yeah. I mean... I enjoyed it. Poker Superstars... So this was 2004. Yeah. It was a little before I actually got into poker, but I guess that was right around when you were getting into it. Yeah, I was watching as much poker... I was watching every single poker show on TV at this point. I watched... Uh, I originally saw poker on uh, the Moneymaker yeah. World Series. Um, that's the first time I had ever seen poker and, and had never played it up till then. Started playing it um, and then watched... The World Poker Tour every week, watch any other poker programming, would like scour my TiVo, like searching for poker, you know, all the time and stuff. Well, yeah. Poker superstars. Poker superstars. You know, we got Chip Reese. I still remember him trapping Gus Hansen one time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. RIP. RIP. Yeah. He was considered like the greatest, right? Um, didn't Doyle Brunson say he was the best overall poker player in the world or something? Did say that. I don't I don't know. I mean, they were really good friends and he had just died, so it's a yeah. little harder to know like what plays into it, but it's possible he was just the best. I know Chip Reese like went to Vegas for a week or something like that and never left because <laughs> like he just did so well in that week. He just like set up shop and then became the guy who, you know, did really well forever. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah, except for, you know, young death. That's too bad. Yeah, he died at what, like fifty or something? Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, he's not involved in the hand. Um, he's the table, actually, of this Poker Superstars. The table? At the table. Oh, okay. He is at the table. So Poker Superstars is a formatted thing yeah. where it's like a, a series of tournaments leading up to the ultimate final tournament, and it's inv- invite only. It's all like well-known pros. And uh, there's incentives based on like how well you finish in, in the prelim tournaments. You get a certain amount of chips in the final tournament if you make it there based on your previous finishes. That is true. Also, um, if you win the different heats and things like that, there's money. There's some cash prizes. Okay. Not, not really big ones, but there's cash prizes right. as well. So it's a bit of an interesting format. I don't think the format at all plays into this hand. No. It's just a hand that kind of happens within this. They're seven-handed at one of the prelims during this hand. By the way, this was suggested by Marcelo Imperial Jr. Yeah. So... Good job, Marcelo. Uh, you can be a sixth man, which is what he requested. I mean, just like that? You just, you just like, give someone whatever they ask for now? That's, I mean, he, uh, he suggested things before. He's, he's gotten things through before. So now you're just a sixth man? Like, okay. oh, I suggested something once or twice, and then I asked him All right, okay, man. okay, okay. He's not a sixth man yet. But okay. I, I want to bring that up because he did a funny little tweet yes, where he's he suggesting things. He says he doesn't want to go for Hall of Fame or elite status. He just <laughs> wants to be like a rotation player. Yeah. So he's, you know, I think at this point right now, he's like sometimes in the rotation, you know, he's like garbage time. He, no, 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 no. More than garbage time, though. Like, one, you know, every so every so often he's playing in minutes that matter, but not always. You know? Okay. Like, depends on the matchup. That's really <laughs> where he's at. So you're yeah. working your way up, Mar- Marcella. Yeah. You just got to develop that jump shot. A yeah. Little bit. I mean, you know, every you got to put the hours in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway, we're so just, we're going to beat this thing to death. This fucking metaphor. Why not? 
Why not? We just talk for 45 minutes at a time on yeah. podcasts twice a week. We got to do something with that time. <laughs> Usually what we're supposed to be doing is uh, hand analysis. So I guess we should get into that. Okay. So there's going to be some interesting decisions in this hand. And by that, I mean, the era means things are different and we're going to have to make fun of some of the decisions. Sounds good to me. Yeah. So Johnny Chan. He's, he's wearing a ridiculous shirt. I'll just say. Yeah, that. he always is. Though. That was his thing. He still does that. Yeah, it's his yeah. thing. Him, that in the orange. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we're seven handed. Johnny Chan is under the gun. We are at two K four K for the yeah. blinds. Chan's got 181 K in front of him. So okay, 50 40, blinds, 45 blinds, 45 blinds. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. 45 blinds. Here's the first fun decision that you would never make if you were a professional player in 2019 <laughs> ever in a billion years. I guess he's going to limp. He's going to limp under the gun with queen 10 off. Oh, queen of clubs. God, <laughs> queen of clubs, 10 of diamonds. What in the world is happening? I don't is know. Is it 1922? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. Johnny Chan. It was, was it just like this? I don't know. It might've been like this. It probably was like this. Oh my God. It's just like so bad. I think it was bad enough that like maybe some pros for sure, but I think people didn't really have positional ranges. Maybe like they would just play the hands that they played no matter what the position was. I think they knew. I think the, the, some of the pros like Doyle definitely knew like as you get closer to the button, you can widen your range yeah. to some degree, but I don't know that they had a, a nearly as clear a sense of ranges by position as we do now, which makes sense. It's 15 years sure. later and a lot more thought and study has gone into the game in the last 15 years than probably the previous 50 or 60. You know, probably in the history of poker, the last 15 years has been, there's been a whole lot more figured out in yeah. terms of Texas hold them anyway. Yeah. So in fairness to them, they don't really know what they're doing. Johnny Chan's like, this is a pretty good hand. It's not strong enough to raise. So I better limp with it because you never know. Like that's, that's what he's doing. And that was probably a sophisticated mindset back then compared to people who probably raised way too much or just, you know, played it, limped with hands that were way worse than this. Like, you know, nine, 10 off under the gun and stuff like that. Like he knew not to do that. Probably. I'm trying to give him a little bit of credit, like because of the era, because of the era. Right. Yeah. I don't think he would do this now. Probably not. I'm sure he wouldn't. So that's yeah. good. Right. I mean, I don't know. It was 2004. I just had started playing. Maybe I was doing stuff like that, too. I remember I limped in a cash game once with nines under the gun in a 1-2 game back in 2004. You remember, the, you remember one time? I remember the nines. hand. I remember the hand. That's yeah. a weird thing to remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another thing I do with nines in that same cash game like a week later was someone raised to like $15 in a 1-2 game, and I had bought in for $160, as I always did. That was like my... 160? That was my thing. The perfect number. Yeah. And I didn't know what to do because I had two nines in middle position. So I just went all in. <laughs> I just didn't know what to do. So you were, you were terrible. I mean, I had been playing for like four months or something. No, of course. Yeah, there was yeah. also a time when I was terrible. Let me tell you something. Compared to that group, I was, I was one of the big winners in the game. So I was terrible compared to now. But just like Johnny Chan, yeah. back then I was a good poker player. You know, sure. For, for those games. For those games. I wasn't like, I couldn't be a pro or anything like that. But I won a lot of money in those games. Now, I didn't normally do this. This is the only time I've ever... I still remember that nines and shoving because it was such a weird... I was like, I don't know what to do. It just was like, I'm just going to go all in. And actually, it was incredible. Three people went all in behind me. <laughs> I won the hand. Did you have... Uh, this is a bit of an aside, but whatever. We're here. Ah, it's a podcast. We're having fun. Did you have a moment, like an inflection point where you were like, oh, I should take this more seriously and actually understand it better because I want to make it like I want to be a pro. And then oh. you became a pro. Like, um, that's a, actually, that's a pretty interesting question. So there were a few different inflection points like that along the way. One of them was, I remember the first time I decided to read a book, yeah. which, so I'd been playing 
like one to limit Hold'em Ugh, at Cambridge. That sounds horrible. Like with MIT students and stuff like that. And I didn't know what I was doing. And they knew a, some of them knew a little bit more than me, but no one was very good, of course. Um, and uh, I was not doing well in the game. I was losing, but not hugely, but I was losing. Was it a raked game? I don't think it was. I think you had to pay like a little bit of money when you first sat down. Okay. It. it was could, like a door fee. You could never beat the rake in a one, two limit game. Oh yeah. No, I know. I think it was a thing, something like you pay like $10 and oh, like okay. that was it. You know, it was like, it was like a home game and you had to pay a little bit. Right. It was cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was, I remember like losing and losing and some, it's the guy who I kind of liked the least gave me a ride home for some reason. And he was like the winner in the game. He was the best player. And he really encouraged me to like read a book or two. And I just decided, I remember as we were driving home, I was like, wow, you'd like do different things than everyone else. I said to him, like, you race for information. And at the time, that was cool. <laughs> and limit and limit. Oh, my wow. God. I know. But like back then, like that was the most sophisticated, you know, that we got. And so he really encouraged me to read a book. And I, I did. And I got a little bit better. And then um, the next big inflection point was, uh, I remember I started reading like uh, 2 plus 2 and stuff like that a little bit. And was taking it more seriously and was winning now. I was a winning poker player, but not a big one. And I read about uh, an Ed Miller book about uh, small stakes limit hold'em that someone was writing about on two plus two and saying how good it was. And I bought that book, and that was when I really turned things. That's when I that was my big inflection point to becoming a pro. Actually, that book, where I read that book and like it blew my mind. I couldn't believe the decisions, and it made me think about the game completely differently. And I immediately started winning a lot of money. It was great. That's cool. Yeah. Anyway, that's my story. Yeah, mine's a lot shorter. Yeah. Because um, I don't, I still don't really read poker books. Nope. You read one, right? The yeah. one I gave you. Yeah. Might be <laughs> writing one, but <laughs> yeah, you are you are writing one. Yeah. You've written one. Yeah. Like me. Um, that's funny. Yeah. My inflection point was like, I was a winning player on full tilt, like playing tournaments and stuff. But like, you know. I had graduated college and over the next three months I had won like a total of $6,000 playing tournaments on full tilt, which was, you know, really like good profiting, yeah. you know, which is good, but because everybody was terrible and you know, I, I was, I was right. better than the average player, right? You just have to be a little bit tight and you're fine. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. But then I, one day I had 14 big blinds in a tournament and I was under the gun with queen 10 of hearts and I min raised and I was like, what the fuck did I just do? And why did I do that? And, I, and it made me really think because I made this obvious mistake and I was like, that has to be a mistake. I'm just doing it because I want to play queen 10 of hearts, but I don't want to go all in with it. I'm being an idiot. Maybe I should take this game a little bit more seriously. And I didn't read any books. I just kind of like hunkered down and thought about it from like, a, okay, what actually makes the most money? How, how am I supposed to play to make the most money not to try to have fun or whatever? Right. And right. That, that, that moment like completely changed my mentality and then I started winning a lot more money. Yeah. So that was it. That's cool. Yeah. I remember um, a similar inflection point for me was I was playing on Poker Stars and I was playing like six man sit and goes. <laughs> this is another just horrible play that I did. I still remember this. And a guy opened under the gun and I was in the big blind. And I had two sixes. And also, like the pocket nine hand, did not know what to do. Now we start, it's like you start at 10 20, you get like 1500 chips, yeah. so you have like 75 lines. I just didn't know what to do, so I went all in with two sixes. The guy had aces and knocked me out of the tournament on the first hand. And I remember thinking, like, that just can't be right. Yeah. That cannot be how you're supposed to play that. And I realized I did not know what I was really doing, even though I was a winning player, even in those games, that like, that is just wrong, you know? And like, yep. it, that, that was one of the moments that encouraged me to like maybe figure it out a little bit more. Yeah. To be fair, when we were becoming pros, you before me, I suppose it was a lot easier to become a pro. Like yeah. the barrier to entry was like, oh, I just have to like think about stuff a little harder. <laughs> Whereas now it's like a lot tougher, obviously. This is the way it always is in poker. It's never, it's always, it always gets a little bit harder. So, um, 
Like you'd rather be a pro and a poker pro in like the eighties, except for getting shot and stuff like that. But like the games themselves were like insanely. Easy. I don't want to get. I don't want to get shot. But like nineties, they were tougher. But still, like for us today, yeah. they would be and that and just like every decade, it just get it gets tougher. But looking back, it like we would love to play. If we could go back in time to twenty twelve, we would crush the EPT. Like we watch them play; they're horrible. <laughs> yeah. Right. But um, and that's only seven years ago. But like, you know, at the time, I remember thinking like. What those guys doing. are so good. Yeah, they're so good, and what they're doing is so cool, and all those things. And now you look at it, and it just looks like embarrassing. Yeah, like no six betting king jack off is not actually a right. good play. Like almost no one is doing anything that really makes any sense at all. They're just sort of copying each other. Like I'm supposed to five bet, right? I'm just going to five bet for any reason with any two cards, just because you know. Like there's no level of sophistication past that for most of the players yeah. anyway. And so uh, the era of aggression. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so like. That should be fe- that should be relatively easily defeated, you know. Like, but everyone's too busy like swinging their dicks around to like bother like trying to figure out how to beat that. They're yep. just like, I'm going to be more aggressive. I'm going to out aggress you, and that was the entire game. And uh, eventually, people realized, oh, that's actually not that hard to beat naked aggression. Yeah, you just let them be aggressive, and you just call. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. all you got to do. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty simple. It is. Anyway, this all sprung out of Johnny Chan limping under the gun with Queen Ten off. Yeah, which is Johnny. what he did, and he was a pro. Oh, yeah. Two-time world champion. Right. Right. I wonder if he was still a winning player in 2004 even, or if like his era was really like the late 80s, early 90s, and he got passed by even by then. Oh, I'm pretty sure he was a winning player in 2004. Yeah. I think he was probably a winning player. He might still be a winning player in the games he's playing. He least. might be. Yeah. Like he's probably playing in games where he I mean, plays. he's definitely plus EV in the main event. Oh, yeah. You know, like he's probably playing in cash games that are pretty easy. You know? Yeah. I don't think he'd do well in a tough cash game. If we see every time he's played on like on poker after dark or whatever, they just like exploit the hell out of him by believing him. Cause he, yeah. they just think he's like essentially never bluffing. Right. And it seems like he's never bluffing. So. It does seem yeah. like that. Anyway, limbs under the gun. Yeah. 45 blinds, queen 10 off TJ Cloutier, similar stack to Johnny Chan. We don't know the exact stacks except for Chan's, which is 181 K Cloutier is plus one. He limps King queen off. So, I mean, it's better than what Johnny did. It is. How's At that? least there's already a limp and it's a better hand, but yeah. raising really feels like the play. Yep. If you're afraid of Johnny's under the gun limping range, then you can fold also like calling's the worst of the three, right? Yeah. But it's still not the end of the world. It's not. At least it's not the end of the world. This hand doesn't play super well multi-way and now we're all, we're going to be multi-way like guaranteed, but okay. Whatevs, TJ. TJ is TJ's whole game is not about being like technically perfect poker wise. His whole game is about he knows what you have and just makes the perfect decision every time. That's classic TJ. Classic TJ. I've, I'm sure I've told this story on podcasts in the past because we've been doing podcasts for so long. But TJ in his books would often write about like being at the World Series of Poker final table. A guy raises. He's kings. He three bets. The guy calls. Um, the flop is jack high. The guy. Oh no, TJ's sorry. TJ's out of position. No, let me, let me tell the story again. It's good. It's worth telling again. TJ opens with two kings, gets called by the guy on his left. Everyone else folds. The flop is jack high. TJ checks. The guy bets. TJ shows his two kings and folds. The guy shows two jacks. And he's like, yeah, I knew he had two. It's obvious he had top set. Like, that's just TJ Cloutier poker. Like, that's his whole thing. It's crazy. Now, maybe the guys were being very obvious yeah, back then. but I feel like, like probably these days you couldn't do that against Justin Bonham. No, no, of course not. Of yeah. course not. But the fact that he could do it even then, like, he's the only guy in poker who could really do that back then. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yet he ended up completely broke. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Completely broke. Yeah. And but that's because of other gambling, right? Uh, yeah. He was a craps player, I believe. I believe it's craps. And I mm. uh, would always be asking for $500 or $300 to play craps from people. And he owes 
He probably goes over a thousand people, like 300 bucks, something like that. I mean, it's bad. Yeah. It's bad. Don't ever lend him money if you see him people. Nope. Sorry He's... to tell tales out of school, but that's just. Yeah, don't. It's important to know. Don't lend money to anybody that you don't personally know. How about yeah, that? And even then, think about it. Yeah, I mean, like, it's not, it's usually a bad idea. I have like four people in the world that I will lend money to. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that's it. Anyway, how about another limp? Okay, sure. Well, now limping is going to start to make more sense, at least. Well, maybe not with this hand. Gus Hansen, who has a pretty big stack, actually. I don't know how much, but it's definitely like probably around twice what Chan has. Okay. It's got a lot of chips in front of him. He limps with two nines on the button. Nine of spades, nine of hearts. Is it that these guys are just really afraid of Johnny having aces here? Maybe. If that's true, TJ shouldn't be limping king queen, though. No, he should just fold if he Gus could limp nines because he can make a set, but TJ should just be like, yeah, there's no point. TJ should be raising. These guys, I mean, Gus should just be raising nines. Yeah. Like, whatever. So now we get the blinds coming, and we get uh, Ivy limping. Phil Ivy, of course. Yeah, it's the, the great. In, in the small blind with 10 deuce of hearts. Sure. And then uh, the, the coward Howard Letterer in the big blind <laughs> with 3-4 of hearts is going to check. Yeah. We don't, okay. have to, we don't have to go on a Letterer rant, although I really want Let's to. Not. Okay. Let's not. Let's not. We've done it enough. Yeah, it's true. This guy's a bastard. 23,500 in the pot. Okay. 23,500 nitrogens in my heart. Which is now sure. the thing I say. Sure. These days. Yeah, you uh, love saying that. Yeah. Nitrogen your, sports your... poker room. Let it enter your heart like a like one of those worms that can crawl in your heart. Nitrogen sports poker. If you need a segue, you can find it with us. <laughs> segue with us, Nitrogen Sports. Yeah, anyway, Nitrogen, I'm talking about them for a reason. Yeah. They uh, sponsor the podcast. That is the reason. That is the real reason. But the sponsorship offers something wonderful to the listeners, which Indeed. is of course if you use the link in the description of this podcast, when you sign up for nitrogen sports poker, you get access to exclusive poker guys events, which is currently our monthly tournament. We've been running it for a while now. It's always been insane. It's still insane. It's going to keep being insane. It's a 100 millibit guarantee. The buy-in is 0.1 millibits. So there's the guarantee is a thousand times the buy-in. We've only ever gotten as many as 80 players do the math and play the tournament. Yeah, it's basically just free money they're putting out there for you. It's insane not to do it. You, you're a poker person, right? You should be playing this. It's, it's essentially free to play. If you're wondering how much a tenth of a millibit is, it's like 50 cents right now, 45 cents, something like that. There's no reason not to be involved in doing this. Get you some... some I mean, the overlay is so insane. They're just giving it away. You could close your eyes and go on blind every hand. It's still, it's, it's still a, a positive. It's still a very, play. very profitable. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just crazy not to be doing it. Um, and it's fun and it's fast. It's a Bitcoin only uh, poker site, which is awesome because it means not only do you get your money in super fast, you also get your money out super fast. 90 minutes from when you ask for the money to it being in your freaking wallet, people. That is well past any in other industry standard. Um, all the other Bitcoin only poker room stuff usually take days, if not longer to get the money to you. They have all this weird bullshit processing. The, time. the waiting period sucks, man. Yeah. You know, everybody's been through that. You withdraw some money from poker. site. you're like, it's like four days later and you're just like, this just sucks. Yeah. Like, are, are they, are they, are they, they really going to pay me? Yeah. Like nitrogen, yeah. it's nitrogen. You basically, you, you get up, you go watch a movie, you come back. It's there. Yeah. It's great. Um, and I've, as someone who's withdrawn from nitrogen, you know, multiple times, like I probably withdrawn like 30 times over the last two years or something like that. Um, it's just, it's always 90 minutes or less. It's great. Um, they also, of course, have sports betting and casino games. They got all the stuff you want to have a happy life. <laughs> happy life, happy nitrogen <coughs> heartworm 
Yes. Situation. Perfect. We nailed that ad. I think so. You're welcome, Nitrogen. There was no waffle throwing in it, but next time maybe. Well, now there was. You just worked it added. I added a little waffle throwing reference. All right. So we've got these uh, five hands here. The ones that are going to matter are going to be Johnny Chan with Queen 10 off, Queen of Clubs 10 of Diamonds, TJ Cloutier with King Queen off, King of Spades, Queen of Hearts, and Gus Hansen with two nines, nine of Spades, nine of Hearts. Yep. The flop is going to be pretty dynamic. Okay. It's the nine of diamonds. Good for Gus. Yeah, that's, that's a, a set. set. A jack of spades and a four of spades. Ooh, good for Johnny. Right. So He's Johnny, got the open ender. Johnny flops open ended. TJ has two overs and a gut shot. Pretty and Gus good. Hansen, of course, has a set of nines. Howard Lutter has a four, but that doesn't matter. So we could see some real fireworks on this flop. I would expect fireworks, but instead we get nothing. It's like the worst fourth of July ever. You, you got there two hours early. You're sitting on the cooler. You're starting to cramp up. You're like, all right, finally, the fireworks are going to go. And then the guy's like, I forgot the fuses. I got to tell you, I don't even like fireworks. I don't either. For the 4th of July. To me, the best 4th of July ever is no fireworks, not the worst. But in this case, for poker, yeah. it's different. I, I'm, I'm anti-fireworks and I'm anti-parades and I stick by that. Yeah, I think most people really are. These are all just things we're supposed to be amused by. Guess what? The internet is here, man. We have television now. In the 20s, sure, these things were very exciting, the 1920s. But it's 100 years later, and fireworks are not special to see. I'm sorry. I'm calling it out. Neither are parades. Parades are are super boring. Parades are the worst. Yeah. They're worse than fireworks. If you've got a kid who's marching in it, fine. Yeah. Support them. If you have people you like who are marching and you're being supportive, fine. But no one else really wants to see a parade who isn't over the age of 80. That's just the truth. We can acknowledge this. We don't have to hide from it. I also don't like farmer's markets. Oh, I, I can't stand with you on that. You like farmer's markets? I just feel like, like farmer's the, the experience of going to a farmer's market is like, I'm going to go pick up a pear and look at it, and then I'm going to leave. Like, that's that's what I'm going to do. I mean, I don't understand what the hell you're talking about, but that's fine. You go to a farmer's market, you get really good produce, often uh, inexpensive. It's wonderful. Yeah. Maybe I need to give farmer's markets another chance. Maybe you do. Maybe you need to give parades another no, chance. No, parades too. can go <laughs> fuck themselves. Parades are done. Okay. Let's get back to the hand. I have just ended parades. All right. So we've got a set for Gus, open ender yeah. for Johnny, and TJ has got the two overs. Let's and th- go ahead. Everybody checks. Can no. we talk through each of these, especially these three main players' decisions? Yeah. Okay. So Johnny's first. I, mean, I know the two yeah. the blinds two, check. The two blinds whatever. check, then Johnny checks. Um, Johnny could just bet this. It's okay not to, but Johnny could really bet this. Yeah. But at the same point, I mean, is, is he planning on check calling? It seems I, it I seems way worse. Check raising is probably better than check calling. I don't love check raising when we're five handed, though. No, seems not great. Like we could easily be up against Jack nine suited and stuff like that. You know, yeah, the, the, or a straight no, or a set no of fours. Jack nine four. OK, set of fours, set of nines, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if Gus is really afraid of Johnny, he might yeah. have, he just limps with nine sometimes as we see. Maybe he can have a set of jacks once in a while. If he can have nine. Yeah, maybe. Um, Still, like, check calling. There's two spades on the board, too, right? Yeah. I just don't like check calling at all with this hand. No, I think Johnny should be betting. Yep. I think betting is the best. Check raising is probably second best, unless someone bets and there's a bunch of callers, and then you can call. Yeah. Anyway. TJ could also bet. He, he has, could. But he's checking his... I mean, he might just be check folding. Probably, maybe he gets to check and see what everyone does and know yeah. what everyone has and then make a clear decision. All right, because he knows what people have. Yeah. Um. Yeah, well, anyway, he checks. That's not as, as That's fine. noticeable. The weirdest one is Gus. Yes. He's in position. Everybody's already checked. It's There's, a wet board. Yeah. The, I mean, this makes a bit more sense if he's in the big blind and just checks or something. Yeah. Like, I still think he should lead in a limp pot, but fine if you want to check there. But he's in position. There's nobody behind you that's going to bet. Why in the world wouldn't Gus bet here? Let's try and come up with reasons. 
I mean, he's trying to be super disguised. He, you wouldn't put him on a set when he checks on a wet board five ways. Well, that is damn true. So he's accomplishing that. Okay. That's good. Um, he is Gus though, right? He's like considered his reputation anyway is one of a crazy man. Yes, he is. Why wouldn't you want to bet your strong hands five ways on a wet board? Right. In, when you know no one else has chosen to bet, but they may be like hoping you bet with your trash. By the way, maybe Johnny is check raising here. Maybe. Like... He might be like, I'm going to let Gus bet his like crazy wide range. and I'm going to check raise and he's going to fold almost always. It's going to be great. And when he doesn't, sometimes I'm going to get there. That'll also right. be great. So we've got one reason to check, which is extreme disguise. Extreme disguise. Reasons to bet are, yeah, I mean, like we're in position. So nobody's going to bet behind us. Right. We're going to give the whole world a free card on a board where there's a lot of cards that are going to make this hard for us. Yeah. Th- that's the next thing is like spades are bad. Yep. And anything seven through king is kind of bad too. Yep. Like anybody could have made a straight at that point. Right. And and we're up against not just the limp hands, which sort of connect with this board, but also the big blind and the small blind who have very wide ranges. And we're just not going to know, like, like they can have spades. They can all have, everyone can have everything still because they might yeah. be checking the gust to let gust bet. Sometimes they're going to bet their strong hands, but like all the draws, especially the spade draws may have checked. It yeah. seems crazy to me gust wouldn't bet here. It does seem a little bit crazy. I I don't know why he's doing it. It's just extreme deception, I guess. That's that's I all think, he's got. I, I mean, I saw another hand from this show, from the same table, which Marcel also suggested to us. And Gus's heads up against Barry Greenstein, where he opens nine seven of hearts on the button and flops the nuts and checks it back on a two spade board, also. And that's, it's like, why aren't you betting, dude? By the way, and that that was another case where Barry flopped very strong but was slow playing and like they both missed the street of value. That's and pretty strange. Yeah. It's like Gus, I think was just, again, it's 2004. Maybe we're just, you know, maybe the era is like back then, if you flapped really strong, you just always checked. I mean, obviously that's ridiculous and terrible. Um, but I think a lot of people did that back then. I just like, this is such a bad board and situation to do this in. It's insanely bad. And it's, it feels like the mark of a rank amateur. It does. By the way, Gus did lose a huge amount of money in his poker career. Yes, he did. <laughs> just yeah. saying. Well, just online that we know about, because that's like yeah. the well-recorded stuff. We yeah. lost like $22 million or something like that. Something insane. Over the course of the time he played on full tilt. Yeah. It's absurd. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. I don't know where he got that money, but whatever. That's a different discussion. Yeah. All right. So somehow it checks around on okay. the nine, nine jack four board, two spades. Fine. The turn is a really good one for Johnny Chan. It's yeah. the king of hearts. That's a really good card. He makes the nuts. It's not a spade. TJ Cloutier makes top pair with the second best kicker. Still has the gut shot. Yep. And Gus is sitting there with a set. It's a good situation. Yeah. Phil Ivy turns a gut shot with his 10 deuce of hearts, but that doesn't matter at all. Okay. So we got checks from the blinds. Johnny Chan checks again. What do you think? I mean, he should be betting. Yeah. I don't know. We're five handed and there's spades out there still. There's a lot of cards that are going to kill action if anyone has anything. Someone may have. I mean, okay, sometimes you bet and everyone folds. It's okay. By the way, check raising when you're Johnny Chan is too strong a play mostly. It is. When you have the nuts, especially. And if you're thinking about like, okay, somebody's going to bet because a lot of the time either TJ or Gus hit a king here, yeah. which might, might be true based on like limping ranges at that time. Sure, that's possible. I think you get more value overall by betting than by checking because if you're checking the check raise, a king is usually going to fold to Johnny Chan. Right. And betting, maybe you get the river street in too. Exactly. You often can get two streets in this way. 
Um, maybe someone has a very strong hand and you get lucky and they raise you. But if they don't have a very strong hand, they probably can't call your check raise anyway. Let's just bet big twice and hope it all works out, you know, or bet big on the river, bet normal now and bet big on the river and hope it works. You know, I don't know. Let's get some normal value here. It's five ways. Bet the damn hand. Well, he didn't. Okay, fine. But TJ is going to throw him a bone and bet. TJ should be betting. Yeah. So TJ bets. He TJ, bets 20K. TJ's got to believe like everyone's just going to fold and that's fine. Yeah. I mean, like, it's a wet board. I have a good hand. It's fine. It's great. I'll win the pot. That's part, that's what you're trying to do. In I mean, he bets pretty big. Probably an era thing too. 20 into like 24. 20 into 23, five. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit big. It's true. But you know, at least the board's wet. Yeah. But it's a tournament. You know, it's not a cash game. I it's know. pretty big. I know. Um, so he bets 20K. What do you think Gus should do now with a set of nines? We don't know how deep we are as Gus and TJ, right? I think TJ is a similar stack to to Johnny Chan, which is was 181K. Right. And Gus is deeper. I mean, I think it's fine to raise right now as Gus. I think it's fine to raise. I think a call is fine as well because, you know, the one of the most obvious draws did come in. Yes. An obvious draw did come in. However, nothing's been defined because we didn't bet the freaking flop. Right. So, like, anyone can have anything. Um, we're not... I mean, we don't think TJ has king-king kind of ever. Not right? usually, so, no. So that's good. So the only thing we're really losing to here... I guess Jack-Jack, but it's the same thing. I wouldn't yeah. expect TJ to show up with Jack-Jack either. So the only thing we're losing to is queen-ten exactly, which we have outs against. I don't want to let everyone else in when they're actually, if enough people call, it's actually problematic. I mean, TJ bet big, so I don't know how often people are really going to call. I think I, I think I lean towards a raise, but I think it's okay to call. Yeah, I think I agree. It just, it does kind of suck to get three bet jammed on. You have to call yeah. because there's combo draws and like King X of spades type hands. Maybe, maybe top two and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, no, it sucks, but I think you just have to suck it up and call TJ shove and know that sometimes when you're losing, you still get there. You yeah. still, you're still 20% or something. Right. But Gus decides just to call, which is actually a decision of his that I don't hate in this hand. Although raising, I think would be fine too. Yeah. Um, Obviously spades are going to be problematic on the river, but Gus is probably not folding out any spade draws by raising anyway. So they would have been problematic either way. Yeah. Or or Gus has to raise so much to fold out the spade draw that it's sort of like you're sort of shooting yourself in the foot value wise. Right. So, yeah. So I, I, I think, and it's not so bad. At least Gus is in position when he calls, right? If he's out of position, I would like a raise way more. Yeah. Um, but being in position, it's not like it's going to go check, check on the river if a scary card right. comes. Or just if a scary card doesn't come, it's not going to go check, check. You know, like Gus will always make sure chips go in. Yep. But before that, we got to go back to Johnny Chan because he's got the nuts. Both blinds folding us back to Johnny. The cashews. And now he's <laughs> the cash. He's got the cash. That's good. I'm going to start saying that. I like that. I Did you hear that, that from something? No, I just made, made that up just now. That's pretty good. Yeah. I like that. I'm pretty happy with that. Right on. The cashews. Yeah. It, that was, I think you, you picked the right nut, too. Uh, I don't know. Pistachios would have been pretty good too. You can't say anything with the word nut in it. You can't say like walnuts. No, that's not it. That's not good. Almond doesn't sound as good. No, I think pistachios and cashews are both pretty good. Yeah, Those there. are both pretty good. Yeah. They're also the two best nuts, by the way. Well, everyone knows that. Everybody. And, and oh, whoa, whoa. You're leaving out macadamia and it hurts me a little. Bit. Oh, come on. It goes. Pista- you come on. The order is clearly pistachio. Yeah. Cashew. Everything else is so far behind, it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> That's clearly the order. Pistachio cashew, 25 pounds of bullshit, and then all the other nuts. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's what you're saying, huh? Yeah. Okay. Do you agree, pistachio um, first? I don't I don't necessarily agree with you. What's better I than- think I think cashews are right there. And actually, it depends on the day. 
I think I may like cashews more than pistachios. You know what? By the way, I can't hate you for it. I oh, can't. Oh, I thought you were coming after me for that. By no. the way, macadamias, they're not. They're no, macadamias are like a specialty nut. Those are not an all around yeah. nut. Pistachios right. and cashews are like an everyday working right. man. All around nut. Use it. Use it for everything. No, no, no. A macadamia nut. It's like I'm feeling fancy and I want a yeah. cake. It's a Kardashian nut. <laughs> and goddamn yeah. it, I feel like a Kardashian sometimes. You know, when I want to feel like one, anyway, I crack open my you macadamia. You know what nuts suck? <laughs> <laughs> what has happened to this show? What nuts suck? Brazil nuts. You Flavor- know the flavorless. Oh, but they have selenium in them, which is one of the few sources of selenium uh, that you can eat, and it's important to get a little bit. I didn't every know day. That. I didn't know that. That's the only reason to eat Brazil nuts. Got to choke down a Brazil nut every day. <laughs> <laughs> Those things are huge. They are. You just eat. You just crunch it up. It's fine. But anyway, all right. Maybe, maybe get back. All to right. Let's get now. back. To <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed our nut ranking discussion, though. All right. So Johnny Chan is going to pull off this check race. Yeah. I think he probably should be doing it now with two he players. Has, he has in the race. hand. And even if everyone folds, it's okay. They maybe they'll have spades and stuff. That's fine. We're going to fold out some equity probably, yeah. but we have to raise this Johnny Chan. We're out of position to both these players. There, TJ's not betting again unless he has more. He can't bet his hand again. I don't no. think after it goes call call. Even if he thinks he has the best hand, he probably gives Gus a chance to to um to bluff. If he hits a king, he might bet again. Oh yeah, or a, oh yeah, can't hit not with a queen. Though, no. yeah. it's like literally he's got two outs to bet again. Yeah, and actually, if it's the king of spades, he's probably not betting. So maybe it's one. He has the king of spades. Oh, he does. Okay. But Johnny doesn't know that. Okay. Um, anyway, Johnny's going to raise to 65K. That's fine. I think that's fine sizing over the 20K. And Johnny started the hand with how much again? 181. Okay. So it sets up a good river shove size, actually, if somebody calls. Cool. And obviously, he's hoping somebody just ships it right now. But yeah. So TJ's going to fold, which TJ, is yeah. pretty easy fold. Super easy fold. Against Johnny Chan, especially. I mean, against, yeah, against a lot of players. All right, so Gus has a decision to either move in effectively right. or call. Right. I think against some players in this tournament, moving in is fine. Here, uh, I like a call better than a move in for sure. I like a call a lot better than move in. And I think almost against everybody. Like, yeah. What are we hoping for if we move in? We're hoping for King Jack to call us. We're hoping for King Space Jack to that fold. didn't bet on the flop. Um, yeah. Which is hard to imagine. That being the case too often. That's true. That's a good point. That's hard to argue that. King X of spades. That's all. That's We're hoping that... Um, well, actually, we're, we don't care what it does. Either yeah. way, we either it puts in more chips when it's way behind or it folds out its equity. Both are fine. Yeah. Now that it's put in all these extra chips. Right. Um, so both both are good outcomes. Um, but that's it. It's just King X of spades. By the way, Johnny Chan, most of these guys aren't check raising King X of spades no. on the turn five ways. They're just not. No. Even so. now three ways. They're just going to call. Yeah. Right? Certainly, yeah. we would just call. So I don't think there's a ton of value in moving it because yeah. Johnny Chan's got 112 left. So right. if, if Gus moves in for then 112 more than the 65K, feels like a problematic spot where you're getting called mostly just by Queen 10. Um, so our plan then as Gus is to call the shove on the river most of the time. Most of the time, but we already kind of hate it because yeah. Queen 10 got there and it's Johnny freaking chain. But we're just going to be... We may also not know how tight Johnny really is yet as Gus. Like Maybe. Like... Um, but yes, our plan is to like, just, he's probably shoving the river. I hope a really problematic card doesn't come. I hope the board pairs. That would be great. But if it doesn't, I hope like, you know, the freaking tennis spades doesn't show up because then that I may actually have to fold, but, it, but on most cards I'm calling and that's just that like, fine. Right. That's the plan. Yeah. Okay. That's a, that's a totally reasonable plan. If we call here, we have to really call the shove because we're leaving Johnny's range a little bit wider. And if Johnny somehow has a weaker hand, 
I don't know what hand it is. It's hard to come up with hands that he's really going to have. Maybe he has a set of fours and was slow playing it. You know? Sure. Maybe, of course, I was going to say maybe he has kings, which is weaker than queen 10, but still stronger than us. So that's yep. not good. Um, but if he somehow has like a set of fours or king four suited, I mean, he's not going to show up with these hands. He limped under the gun, right? No. It's hard to come up with a hand he can show up with. Um, this is such. This is a very clear call. Yeah. Actually, the more the more we talk about it. Yeah. I think it's the only play. Yeah. And uh, that's what Gus does. Good, good job. Gus did something right. Yeah. Gus did something right. <laughs> Every time he does something right, from now till the end of time, I'm going to sing that little song. How many times? What's the over-under on me singing that song? <laughs> Six. Five and a half. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry, Gus. <laughs> <laughs> so the pot is, has ballooned now. 173,500. Johnny's got 112 in front of him. Yeah. I mean, as Gus, we're like, go ahead, ship the river. I'm calling. Whatever. I hope I'm ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fine. Maybe on spades, Gus can fold because it's Johnny. If Johnny chance. still decides yeah. to ship it. Yeah. But Johnny set up a good shove size, seems like. Yep, Johnny's done a good job with this. River's the six of diamonds. What a clean run out for Johnny Chan. Yes, indeed. Because nothing... That doesn't improve anything. No board pair, no spade, no further, no obvious straight that now makes it scary for Gus or anything. No, Gus is like, that six literally cannot make him beat me. Yeah. So that's good. Unless he already was. Right. right. Um, Chan's going to do something that I think I really don't like. Yeah. He's going to bet 60K. Instead of moving in. Yeah, what the hell? The pot's 173.5. He's got 112. He set this up really well. Come on, Johnny. What are you doing? Gus just called your check raise. He has something. And you're not inducing his missed spades when you bet 60K. No. Chan should either check or move in. Those are the only two options that make any sense. I agree. He's trying to get called by a king. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to like not fold out Gus's king when he shoves. Yeah. And he knows if he checks, Gus is going to check it back with the king. That's what he's doing. I right? guess. But I mean, you got to imagine that Gus is folding a king when Johnny Chan check raises the flop. And if he the, isn't, the then maybe he'll use the same reasoning to call the river. Yeah. Like, and what about all the times he has other things? I don't, I just, yeah, this, I understand he can have a king once in a while, but come on, Johnny. Yeah. It seems like you need to move in here anyway. I mean, Johnny obviously thinks what I, well, Johnny's targeting a king. He's got to be. Yeah. So it's a, it's too small of a bet, but whatever. Johnny's going to get a lot of value out of this hand. Slam dunk call for Gus. Yeah. Except that Gus doesn't call. Right. He doesn't fold either. It's bad. Well, he can't fold. He moves in. Right. I don't like that. All right. Well, let's talk about it. Okay. It is only 52K more. That's a good start. That's Johnny Chan's stack. That's really good. And what were the blinds? Of course, Johnny calls. I'm going to get that of out of course. the way. Yeah. The blinds were 2K, 4K. Okay. So it's 50. So it's... So it's 12 K more. It's 12 blinds more to call 13 blinds more to call. I'm sorry. 13 blinds more that he moves in for. Yeah. Which isn't great, but it's not the end of the world in terms of that. Is it possible that Gus was prepared to call, was going to call the shove? I believe he was. Um, and when Johnny bet 60, he's like, Oh, Johnny doesn't have a super strong hand. I have the best hand now. Now, now I'm pretty confident. I have the best hand. I want to see if I can like free roll this last 52 K. Is that what's going on? I'm trying. I'm going out of my way to give Gus, Gus the benefit of the doubt. That that means you have this rock solid understanding that Johnny Chan yeah. has to have a weekend because he bet sixty k. But he check raised and he did yeah. bet and he still bet most of his stack. Yeah. And by the way, Johnny could have king king. I think. Yeah, I think so too. I think he's capable of limping kings here under the gun. Maybe also. even jacks. Maybe even jacks. Maybe force. Yeah. Is it Gus? Is Gus trying to get value from force and thinks he doesn't really have kings or jacks? Oh. Is it possible Gus thinks like sometimes he has king 10 and sometimes queen 10 and sometimes he has uh, fours. So it's like 50 or 50. Is he possibly not because, aware of combos Because combos yet. were not a thing. Yeah, combos didn't exist. So it's just like, yeah, one or the other. And so I want to make sure I get value. And it's okay if I'm wrong because it's only 52K. 
Could that possibly be? It might be what's going on here. All right. Well, okay. Maybe let's stop trying to like okay. assess how the body got buried and, and try to Fair figure enough. out if it should have been. Fair enough. Like, Fair enough. My initial hit is definitely not. This is a very clear just call for Gus. I mean, when he check raises the turn, we should be afraid. Yeah. Queen 10 obviously got there. As we see, Johnny has all 16 combos of Queen 10 in his range. Of course. It's rare that Johnny's going to have a set of fours because he didn't bet on the flop. Right. So what are we hoping to get value from King Jack? Are you going to say King Jack again? Cause Johnny didn't bet the flop. Also is Johnny even check raising a set of fours on the turn? I'm not hundred percent. I'm not he sure. Is. He, is. he might be, but he might, even if he decided to slow play the flop when the, when the queen 10 comes in and TJ bets and Gus calls, I'm not hundred percent sure if he's doing that. And if Johnny somehow just lost his mind with like the ace 10 of spades and then decided to bluff for super cheap on the river, you're not getting called anyway. So it doesn't matter. There's two kinds of poker players in the world. There's Johnny Chan. There's Gus Hansen. I mean, to some degree, yes. Yeah. There's the people who, when you get check raised, and I think we are both in this group, we're immediately aware of all the hands that beat us. And that's what we're thinking about. Yeah. And there's the people who, when they get check raised, are aware of their strength of their own hand and think about, like, all they can think about is, how do I get it all in? Yeah. You know? And, like, so we're the pessimists and they're the optimists in some ways. Okay. But, like, having the, being able to see all the hands that beat you often save you. You know what I mean? Like, um, and I think in poker, it's a really important skill to be pessimistic once someone shows their teeth. Yeah. You know, it's like, it doesn't mean you have to fold, but it means you probably shouldn't like be re-raising or whatever, like four betting the river because I've got middle set or something like, like, don't yeah. do that. Like you're probably beat, <laughs> you know? And like once in a while you miss it, once in a while someone like me will miss out on value in a spot because someone is overplaying a hand that is strong enough for them to actually call with. But you won't miss out on value against players that you know. You only miss right. out against unknowns. That's true. And, um, and, but the thing is that the nature of a poker tournament is that you have to be a little bit more risk averse. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's something that a lot of worse players really miss and they aren't more risk averse and they're willing to just like whatever without the notion and assuming it's not a rebuy, you know, um, where you just like, you just like, don't get those chips back. You can't reach into your pocket and just get more. And it doesn't matter that you lost. Like, you know, you're playing like two, five or five, 10 or one, two or whatever, you know, you're, you lose $400. You just pull out another $400. And you think whatever, like it's, that's normal. But in, in a poker tournament, you lose almost all your stack. Yeah. You're just like, it changes the entire tournament for you or you're out and that matters. You know, that's, it's a finite ending. Right. And depending on the stage of the poker tournament from a broader economic perspective, there's also a general economic opportunity cost to mm-hmm. it where you're, you're putting in all of these hours where all of the right. expected value comes from the minuscule amount of times that you do well in the tournament, which is entirely based on your tournament survival. Right. So that opportunity cost of your life should also be taken into account. Yeah. This reminds me of a story. Okay. So I was playing the main event uh, last summer, Grant. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. Well, it was day three. You weren't there. Uh, thanks for bringing that Sorry. up. No, I wasn't. I <laughs> well, wasn't. I mean, you weren't, you, weren't, you weren't at my table. I was still in Las Vegas. Yes. Moping and drinking. I know. Um, so day three was my tough day of the days, of my first three days, where day one was like a breeze, and day two wasn't so bad either. I had nice chip stacks both times. Day three, I just never had anything. It felt like almost the entire day, and I had to like, you know, squiggle around just to like make anything happen. It was tough. So anyway, so I get into a hand where I... Um, I open 10, nine of spades and this guy calls on the button and the flop is the Jack of spades and like two babies without that don't have anything to do with me. And I just decided not to bet it. I felt like it was not a good board for me. And okay. so I checked 
sorry, it wasn't the Jack of Spades. I, I take the back. It was the Eight of Spades. It was eight high. I checked. Looking back, maybe I'd bet it now, but whatever. I decided to check. It's fine. The guy checks it back. The turn is the Jack of Spades. So I turn an open ended straight flush draw. That's a good. And in fact, the board card. was, it was eight deuce deuce with uh, once with the Eight of Spades and the turn was the Jack of Spades. Okay. I decide to bet. It's a good hand you have. I thought it was a pretty good hand. He raises. And I have the kind of stack where I can he raised, you know, a reason he like three X my bet. Um I'm already been sort of cut down a bit now where like I can call and have like a pot size bet left or I can just go all in. So I'm thinking about my options. And I'm thinking and I'm thinking, and I'm aware this guy has not like done anything out of out of like, you know, the ordinary in the time that I've been playing with him. He's never done anything where he's like been bluffy that I've seen. He doesn't seem overly aggressive. doesn't seem anything like that. And I'm trying to think, what is he raising me with? You know, could he have a deuce? Does he have ace deuce suited and he's raising maybe, maybe, maybe. And I thought and I thought, and I, and I considered all three options, you know, felt like calling was reasonable. Felt like shoving was very reasonable. Felt like folding. I don't know. And eventually I fucking threw my hand away. And it was wow. hard. Yeah, it was. Tough. A, it was actually the toughest fold I made maybe that summer. If the board wasn't paired, change your mind. I have to go with. I can't. Yeah. I certainly can't fold. If the right. Board paired. And if it was on the flop, of course you go with it. Um, I think so. Yeah. Oh, Jack. Yeah. If, if I'm open ended on the flop, yeah. of course. Well, the board can't. I guess the board can't. Yeah, it could be, be Jack eight eight. But or I'm something. not going to fold. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I decided calling. So so calling was reasonable, except that it was going to cost a big chunk of my stack. And thinking about the greater tournament and the greater situation of the tournament, it wasn't really reasonable. And this goes back to our, our point we're talking about right now. So I decided just to avoid the situation entirely. Turns out he had top full house. So he had two jacks in his so hand. So you had two outs. I had two outs and feel very lucky to have folded. Yeah. You know? I mean, lucky is the wrong word. I decided to do it. But still, like, it was so close. You know, I'm a guy who doesn't like to fold. Yeah. And this is the kind of hand that, like, you can talk yourself into not folding for sure. I think most people would talk themselves into not folding a lot of the time. I wouldn't fold this most of the time. But it just felt like the situation was really demanding that it was, it felt wrong to do the other things. And I remember, put, th- like, pushing the cards away with my finger and really thinking, like, boy, I hope I didn't make just, that wasn't just a huge mistake. I just yeah. hope that wasn't a huge mistake. And then he had two jacks and it was great. <laughs> So anyway, we're in a completely different situation here where Gus has the opportunity to just call the 60K. Yeah. Instead, he moves in. Right. And then I think we've already kind of gone over why that's pretty bad. I think we have. Yeah. So yeah, this is just a Gus Hansen mistake. So it's not one of the six times. Right. It's not. One no of song. Those. No song is coming for this decision. Yeah. Sorry, Gus. Can't sing it this time. Maybe we'll do another hand with you. So. So is there anything? Okay. If Johnny Chan was spewier, moving in is reasonable. You agree with that, right? I don't know if I do. No? You think it's always just a call? Give me an example of a player that you would think. Well, I'm thinking of a particular guy. Is it Gus Hansen? No, it's a player we've played with named Steve. Okay. Um, Well, actually, I was in this. Oh, my God. The hands were the same. I had two nines. He had queen 10. Uh, he flopped. I had raised pre on the button. He call, just called in the small blind. This is in the Chinook wins main event, like at the time, like an $800 tournament or something. And, uh, I missed on the flop. He flopped open-ended and a gutter. How is that possible? Open-ended and a flush draw? Open-ended and a flush draw. He must... Yeah, so it was King Jack. It was King Jack X. That's okay. what it was. 
King Jack X with two spades. He had the queen and spades. He checked. I checked back my nines because the board wasn't great. Yeah. And, and he's a crazy player who's going to put me to all these tough decisions, and I know it. So I'm pot controlling. Yeah. Planning to call a lot of turns. I turn a nine. Um, he checks. I bet. He raises. You I call. call. Yeah. Right. Uh, River's a brick. He bets most of my stack, like 85% of my stack, and I go all in for the last 15%. Um, but that's a player who really doesn't have to have the nuts there and will call my shove. I believe yeah. it. I remember going to you afterward, actually. I was like, do you think it was a mistake to go all in? No, yeah, but that's a very specific player. I know. I'm saying and it's also skewy. it's also very different that he bet 85% of your remaining I know. stack, whereas I know. Chan bet about half of his remaining stack. It's a huge difference. It's a huge difference. No, it was I was gonna have all I was gonna have like four blinds or three blinds. And it's like why not get the full double? Right, but there. I don't I don't want to make different. it the listeners think that you should always do that if you're only going to have three or four blinds left. I see this. No, happen of course in, not. Right. But I just want to make it clear. Yeah. I see this happen in poker tournaments a lot where somebody goes all in on the river for four more blinds shrug. when somebody bets because they're like, well, what does it matter? I only have four blinds. Like huge with mistake like, with like top pair middle kicker. Just be, but it's a hero call or a fold spot. Yeah. Right. Like, why would you give up? Like you're, you're going all in because you think you can get called by a worse hand and you have a good hand. Right. It's a different situation than like, of uh, course. Yeah, of course. No, I, in fact, up until the big blind ante thing started, and so there's still some places where big blind ante isn't happening. Um, there's incredible value if you have literally one ante left. Someone like puts you all in except for your ante to just call, because when you lose, an ante is unbelievable, right? Like you're nine handed. Everyone throws an ante, and if you win the pot, you nine x your stack. Yeah, like that's insane. Yeah, right. I mean, you're not going to be up against nine players, no. so it doesn't matter. And then now you've got you know two blinds, and now I mean it's I mean it's really a tough hard. it's a tough road. It's a tough road, but the point is, rather than throwing that extra ante in where you only get a little bit more back, the value of the times you lose, but your survival equity is 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 really reasonable because you can yeah. nine exit if you win the next hand. Yeah. So that that doesn't come up much anymore because big blind Andy's happening, and so right. that doesn't matter. But that did matter up until very recently, and yep. it's kind of cool. Anyway, Gus, Gus messed up. Johnny Chan messed up a lot too, but he got to win the hand. Yeah. Yeah. But Gus actually ended up winning the whole thing, right? The yeah. Gus won the million dollar first prize because he's Gus. He ran it unbelievably hot the entire like seven tournaments that they played. I remember I watched them all. Every time he got it in bad, he won. I feel like he must have run hot from like 2003 to 2007. Like yeah. He actually had a lot of tournament success in those years. Well, the thing he did well was he was the like the not the original one of the early like very aggressive players yeah and he just ran people over so he would get it in bad a lot but he often just wasn't getting it in because people would fold right so he would get to take advantage of people and got chips he really never should have gotten because people would just back down and then and so if you're running hot as well like you're just going to destroy everyone yeah and that's that's what happened I think yeah like you said kind of for like several years yeah God it must have been felt so easy for him for that time and now he looks back and thinks. Huh. Everybody knows I lost over $20 million <laughs> playing cash games on full tilt. No one thinks I'm any good and they're probably right. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Remember that we, we did a hand, uh, a breakdown hand like a year ago or something where he limped like in an early position, like queen six off or something. Oh, in a cash game. Yeah. That was in high stakes poker. Yeah. Like what the, I mean, there's no reason. There's no way to, there's no way to defend that. No, it's a complete, like it's like, let's say it's a tournament. And we're at the final table and we're six handed and you raise queen six off under the gun. Fine. Cause I you're can, like the massive chip leader and right. there's ICM implications or whatever. People are afraid. There's, there's yeah. all these reasons. You're targeting the big blind blah. I don't know. You come up with reasons that I can at least justify. I can't, this is 
it's it's impossible to justify Queen Six off limping under the gun in a cash game. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I don't think I can justify his move in either, especially against Johnny Chan. No, but he got to win. He got to win overall.